Good morning, everyone. It is Sunday, the 12th of April, 2020, and I'm sorry to say we are still in splendid isolation, still divided from one another. Our church here today is still empty. But I'm glad to say on this Easter Sunday, so is Christ's tomb. Today we gather to worship Jesus, who was crucified for our sin, but raised for our justification. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Wherever you're from, wherever you're watching this today, you are incredibly welcome. And we pray that as we meet together and sit under God's word and sing his praise, then you will be blessed by meeting with the living God. As we gather, we have a few announcements to make. Please bear with me as I share those with you. Firstly, our Wednesday night times of prayer continue. Obviously, we do not meet together here, but we pray individually around about the place in our own homes or wherever we may be. I distribute some prayer points and a couple of little thoughts via our WhatsApp group. Please let me know if you're not part of that and I will sign you up ASAP. But we pray together from half seven to eight o'clock and we will continue to do that this coming Wednesday by the grace of God. In between those times, however, uh, we do write daily devotions every single day between myself and the Reverend Alan Burke out at Cross Gar. So those will be posted up on Facebook and also on our WhatsApp group and church website. So please make use of those as each day uh, in isolation, sitting about the house, whatever you're doing, uh, there's no excuse not to come to know the Lord a wee bit better. Also, uh, if you have devices, phones, uh, internet connection, iPads, and if you know what a podcast is, then there are several church podcasts that you can uh, subscribe to. The first is just called Eden Grove Presbyterian Church. That will get you every sermon uh, up on our website, and it also gives you access to my own podcast, This We Confess. Uh, also, you can sign up just specifically to This We Confess. Uh, we take a walk through the Westminster Confession of Faith, and this past week we celebrated our 50th episode of that. And also, a new podcast that's just started in this time of isolation is called, called Eden Grove Presents God's Big Story. That's put together by our youth worker, Dave, and that's for families to enjoy and use as they're sitting around the breakfast table or dinner table or whatever. So please check those out. All of those are up on our website. All of those can be subscribed to, and you will never miss an episode. And finally, just to remind you that on Thursday last week and on Good Friday and just this morning, uh, a video was produced walking us through the Easter story. Those videos are called The Calvary Road, uh, taking us from Christ's preparation for Passover to his betrayal and absolutely his crucifixion and resurrection. Please check those out. Uh, they're up on our Vimeo channel. They've also been posted to Facebook and they're just a way to let scripture speak for itself as we walk through the Easter story. But those are all the announcements. And we come today to worship God. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went down to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. And they found a stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. 
Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. He is not here, said the angels. He is risen. My friends, today we worship in light of that truth. We worship every Sunday in light of that truth. We do not worship a dead and buried Saviour who is still in his tomb today. We worship the crucified and risen Lamb, our precious Lord Jesus Christ. We sing our first song this morning and it's called, Because He Lives. Let's praise God. sent his son they call him Jesus he came to love heal and forgive he lived and died to buy my pardon and grave is there to prove my Savior lives because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I Because he lived, how sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he This child can face uncertain days because he lives, because he lives, I can face tomorrow because he And then one day 
the rhythm I'll fight life's Father, as we meet with you, much has changed this Easter time. None of us can ever remember an Easter like this one. We have come through days of trouble in the past, but we can't remember a time like this where we haven't been able to go to our place of worship to meet with our brothers and sisters in Christ on Easter Sunday morning. And yet, though, today is very, very different, Lord God. There's much that is the same. Today we worship in light of the truth that Christ is risen, crucified for sin, but raised again to life and alive forevermore and one day coming back. Christ is risen. And so, Lord, we thank you for this truth. We thank you that as we meet in our own individual places this morning, we are united by a faith that looks onto Jesus, crucified and raised. Today, Lord, we are thankful that it is by the grace of God that we have come to know Jesus by faith. Today, Lord God, we are thankful that we do not trust in a paper tiger as a saviour, but in our alive and well saviour, Jesus Christ, who is able to do all things and all things well. Today we come, and today we would see Jesus. Today, Lord God, we gather, we would see Jesus. We would meet with him in this place. Putting aside our concerns and our worries, and marveling once again at the glorious truth, Christ is risen. Father, we are full of worry. We are full of concern about the future. This week, for some of us, has been particularly hard. Awful news has come. The worst news has arrived. But as we reflect on that, Lord God, and 
events that seem so beyond our control. Remind us again today of the almighty change that has been brought by Christ. Death has been defeated. Father, we pray it again. Death has been defeated. Death has been defeated. Christ is risen. And so, Lord, we gather. We gather to sing and to pray and to listen to your word. And we don't do any of this in vain because Christ has risen. Today, Lord, we ask you that you would forgive us our many sins. Lord, we have been angry this week around the house. We haven't been able to get out as we usually would. We have been anxious and ratty and we have fired cheap shots at our loved ones. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, our words. Forgive us, Lord, our deeds. The things that we have done and the things that we have left undone. Our sins of commission and omission. Father, Forgive us, we pray. And Lord, when we are tempted to believe that we could not possibly be forgiven, remind us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Father, we bow before you today. And we pray using the familiar words that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Friends, we go over live now to the slopes down in the deepest, darkest reaches of Mid-Ulster. We go over to our youth worker, everyone's favourite youth worker, David James McConkey, for our children's address. Hello there, everyone. Um, it's lovely to be able to talk to you this morning. Greetings from the McConkeys. Uh, we miss you all, and we can't wait until we're all able to be back together. But this morning, this morning, boys and girls, Scott has asked me to do something very important. And that is, in these kind of crazy days, we think it's important that we know which houses in Eden Grove are the smartest. Who should we all turn to if we have really tough questions to answer? So this morning, we're going to do a bit of a quiz. Here's how this will work. Uh, in a second, I'm going to vanish, so you'll still be able to hear me, uh, but you'll see some questions, I hope, appear on your screen. 
So just five questions uh, and we'll see who can get them all right. Now, we're going to start with some easy ones, and then as we go on, they'll get a little bit harder. So you've got five seconds to say your answer into your phone, or your tablet, or your laptop, or whatever you're using to watch this. And I'll keep track, and we'll see who is the smartest, who gets them all right, um, and, and maybe in the fastest time as well. Okay? So you ready? Here we go. Question one. If you mix red and blue, what color do you get? Okay, remember, quick as you can, say the right answer into your device. Question two. If I have 56 rolls of toilet paper and I have seven people in my house, how many rolls of toilet paper can each person have? Okay. Remember, mum and dad can help as well. Question three. What colour is most toilet paper in France? So we're halfway through. Question four. If you dug a hole through the center of the earth, starting from New Zealand's capital city, which country would you come up in? Okay, and our last question. Question five. If you multiply 738 by 19.62, what do you get? And no calculators for that one. Okay, boys and girls, so while my computer is gathering those results and comparing them, let me run over the answers for you. If we mix red and blue, we get purple. Okay, question two, if you have 56 rolls of toilet paper and seven people, each person would get eight rolls. Okay, question three, most toilet paper in France is pink. Question four, if you dug a hole from New Zealand's capital city right through the middle of the earth, you would come up in Spain. And lastly, question five, 738 times 19.62, that, of course, equals 14,479.56. Okay, right, now, let's see how we did. And, well, okay, now, let's see, some of you, some of you did pretty well, yeah, except, hang on, there's, well, well there's one here, goodness, there's one who didn't get any right, uh, let me see, this is strange. It doesn't seem to have come from a house. Hang on, let me, let me patch through to that person's tablet and we can see we can see who that was. Okay, here we go. Oh, well, boys and girls, I'm sure that was just maybe a, a glitch in the technology. Um, but as I check the results, goodness, not one person, nobody got all five right. No one in this church knew enough. So if we get stuck with really hard questions, looks like our church might be in some trouble. Although actually, actually boys and girls, we won't. Because today I want to talk to you about our third omni. Okay, Scott has told us already that God is omnipresent. Okay, that he is everywhere. And last week we heard how he is omnipotent, omnipotent, I'm with you Francis, he can do all things. So today we're going to add our third omni, and that is omniscient, omniscient. Okay, when we think of science, we think of knowing things, finding out things and knowing them. Omniscient, omniscient, and that means that God knows all things. 
It wouldn't matter how hard the questions in our quiz got. There is nothing I could ask God that he would not know the answer to. Even if it was a question that nobody else in the world knows the answer to, like how many fish there are swimming in the sea, or why Scott was wearing a sombrero and a poncho when he was trying to learn the harmonica. But God knows all things. Boys and girls, the last few weeks have sort of been the period in my life when it's been most obvious how little we know. Because every one of us, all of us, we, we have tons of questions. How long is this all going to last? How long are we going to be off school? How bad is it going to get? How many people are, are going to get sick and, and even die? And it's really obvious that nobody in the world can give us the answers to those questions. But that makes me more glad than ever that our God knows the answers. He knows exactly what is going to happen. And boys and girls, the three omnis, omnipresent, omnipotent, omnipotent, and omniscient, omniscient, there may be things that, that we kind of knew about God already, but just imagine if God wasn't all of those three things. Imagine he wasn't omnipresent. You might be somewhere, and you might need his help, but you'd be left wondering, is God here with me? Or is he somewhere else? Am I on my own? If he wasn't omnipotent, you might really need his help, but you'd pray and you'd be left thinking, well, can this God help me or, or am I stuck? And if he wasn't omniscient, omniscient, you might pray and, and ask him what's happening or ask him to show you what the right thing to do is or the right way ahead. And that God would, well, sometimes he would shrug his shoulders and say, I don't know either. But boys and girls, our God, he is all of these things. Wherever we go in the universe, God is there. We are never alone. There is nothing he cannot do. So when we pray, we know that he can do so much more than we can even imagine. And when we have questions or ask him to show us the way, we're asking the one who knows absolutely everything. Our God is amazing, boys and girls. Omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient, omniscient. Everywhere, all-powerful, and all-knowing. And that, boys and girls, is very, very good news. Back to you, Scott. Boys and girls, over these past three weeks, we have told you some amazing things. God is omnipresent, omnipotent, and now omniscience, omniscient. He knows all things. Our God is worth praising, boys and girls. And so we're going to do that now by singing, My Lord is higher than a mountain. Ten, nine, we have ignition sequence start. Engines on, five, four, three, two. Than any man can tell, my Lord is faster than a rocket, can see more than a telescope, is bigger than the universe as well. His love is warmer than the burning sun, closer than the nearest memorial, than anyone can be, my Lord. He 
Our God is higher than a mountain and has done all things well. Um, boys and girls and mums and dads, we're going to turn to his word now. He has spoken to us. He has given us his word. He has given us a book. And today we're going to read it. We're going to listen to two passages of God's word. Uh, please get your Bible out at home. Have a wee read through it and keep it open as the word is being preached. The first passage comes from Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 24. And we're going to read the first 12 verses about the resurrection and then we're going to move into 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 12 down to verse 21. Uh, the importance of the resurrection. So let's read God's word together. This is God's word. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all of these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home, marveling, at what had happened. 1 Corinthians 15. This is God's word. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead. How can, you so, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead. Then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. And we are even found to be misrepresenting God. Because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sin. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, 
By a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. Amen. And today and all days we thank God for his precious word. Let us pray. Father, we have heard amazing things in your word. As we come to them this morning, we pray that we would receive a word of comfort, a word of encouragement, and also a word of challenge. Father, we have heard the story of the empty tomb before, but open our eyes and our hearts and our ears to it this morning as if we are hearing a new story, something amazing, something dramatic. May we not be so familiar with your word that we treat it with contempt, but may we receive it for what it is, the word of God. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. It is Sunday, the 12th of April, 2020, at 11.20 a.m. or so. And where are we? Here we are, or here I am anyway, in Eden Grove Presbyterian Church. As I look out and as I look down the building here, if you could see it, it's all empty. Every seat is empty. The balcony is empty. There's no children, no choir, no musicians, no nothing. And here I am, standing, preaching into an empty building, preaching in the silence. And I am aware, perhaps I look like an even bigger fool than I normally do. But before you laugh at me, where are you? I see you. I see you, there you are in your jammies on the sofa. You've been singing your wee heart out. Your kids have thought you were mental. There you are in your conservatory, sitting with your big mug of coffee. There you are, sitting in the garden, listening to my voice. There you are, singing into the empty space that surrounds you. My brothers and sisters, today as we do that, all of us perhaps look a little bit like we have lost our minds. As we sing into empty buildings and empty homes, perhaps as our neighbours listen to us, they might think, what on earth is going on next door? But surely we wouldn't do anything else than this. As we gather this morning, surely there is no other place that we would be. Admittedly, we are not together. Admittedly, we are not doing the things that we normally do on Easter Sunday. But please, my brothers and sisters, do not despair because our Saviour, Jesus Christ our Lord, has risen from the dead. The significance of that trumps the significance of coronavirus. The significance of the empty tomb makes pandemics look like nothing. Christ is risen. My brothers and sisters, that is why today we sing. That is why even in the emptiness of our buildings, we praise God, we pray, we read his word, we rejoice and, and say the Lord's prayer together. Why? Because Christ is risen. And we are not to be pitied today. We're not to be patted on the head, you poor Christians doing these amazingly strange things, because we know whom we have believed, and we know the gospel. The gospel that says, Christ died for our sins and was raised for our justification. We know this to be true, and therefore today we rejoice with passion and with fire in our bellies. Why? Because Christ has risen. That's why. It's a tale that has been long told in our churches. 
It has been something that you and I have been aware of for a very long time in our lives. For me and for my life, I have known about all of this since I was a child. Going to Bloomfield Gospel Hall, going to Bloomfield Congregational Church, going to other fellowships around the district. I have heard this good news. And today, for 20 years, I have received it by faith. I am a saved man. And with joy in my heart again, I can say Christ is risen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. See, I think these past few weeks have made us realize who we actually are. Pandemics have a way of of showing us our weakness and our frailty. All of us have been washing our hands as best we can. We've been stocking up on the food and the freezer and the fridge and on the shelves and the garage. We have been doing our best to prepare for the worst. And why? Because we know, we know that this pandemic could bring about our death. Scripture calls death the enemy. The scriptures say that death was not part of the created order. Death followed sin as the punishment for sin that is in the world today. And all of us watching this video or delivering this sermon, all of us will die. That was true six weeks ago. And it is certainly true today because death remains the enemy. And yet as believers in our empty churches and in our empty homes, singing our wee hearts out in the car, or sitting in the garden praying unto the Lord, as believers today, we know that death is the enemy, but we know that death has been defeated. Christ is risen. And on the first day of the week, as Luke tells us in his gospel account, some of Jesus' followers went to his tomb, fully expecting him to be there, fully expecting to spend some time there in in prayer and contemplation, thinking about all that had gone on. They brought with them that day the spices they had prepared, and then the first shock of the day comes in verse 2, because the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. Other gospel writers tell us that these ladies were debating who would move the stone for them. And when they arrived there, they discovered they didn't have to deal with that issue because it was already gone. And yet the second shock comes. Because when they go into the tomb, the body of the Lord Jesus is not there. They wonder about this. They're perplexed about this. Maybe someone is is playing a wicked and cruel trick. Maybe someone has stolen the Lord's body. Perhaps they forgot to bury him. Perhaps they've moved him somewhere else for safety. Who knows what has happened? They are perplexed about it. And just as they are scratching their heads and wondering what to do next, two men in dazzling apparel stand before them. I have moved the camera slightly today so that we're not blinded by the light that's coming in our windows. But today, look at that wee light up there and imagine that day in the garden because two men in dazzling apparel stand before these women and say, Jesus isn't here. What are you looking for the living for among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. He has risen. My friends, I have never seen that played out in any graveyard that I have stood in and I have stood in quite a few graveyards. I have never returned to a grave of of someone who I have buried three days later to find them not there. You and I quake in the face of death. You and I wash our hands and sing happy birthday as much as we can because we know that if we die and go to be with Jesus that is better by far but there's still a massive part in us that doesn't want to die. We look at our loved ones. We look at our family members. We look at our children. And it breaks us at the thought of death creeping up on us as families. 
the thought of losing loved ones before our time, whatever that means. And yet today as we read this passage, through eyes of faith, even as we have our feet planted firmly in this world and, and even sinfully we, we want to stay here for as long as possible, you and I, we look in the face of death today with new eyes because we read these passages again and we remember Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Everything has changed. A good Friday, the Lord lays down his life for our sin. It is a life that is sinless and spotless. On Good Friday, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was fully God, fully man, but without sin, takes our sin to the cross. He came to do exactly that. He came to fulfill that purpose. Even when he was named, he was called Jesus because he would save his people from their sin. Jesus goes to Calvary. He is nailed to a cross as he lays down his life for the sins of his bride, the church. But the story doesn't end at Calvary. He is placed in the tomb. And while his followers and disciples may think that was the story over, of course we know that it's not. Three days later, the extraordinary news starts to echo around the world. Christ is risen. And my brothers and sisters, today, if ever we needed to remind ourselves of this truth, it is today. A day where it seems that the streets and the towns and the villages that we live in and work in, they are being stalked by pandemic and on its heels comes death and we quake in its face. We worry about it. We, we are concerned about what the doctor will say. We are worried about the future for our families. We wonder when all of this is going to end and there it is hovering over us in the background like a dark looming shadow. Death is approaching and yet today, what is it we hear? Christ has defeated death. Christ has risen. He has made an end to death. Christ is risen. My brothers and sisters, I pray today for a new attitude in my life. An attitude that says with the Apostle Paul, I know that if I am to stay on this earth and I will work for Christ, but if I am to depart, then it is better by far. I pray more and more that my roots that I have put so firmly down into this world which is passing away, I pray that my roots will slowly but surely be lifted and I will look and long for the day that I go to be with Jesus. Yes, I must die as all men and women will, but Christ has risen. And because of this truth, because I have received Jesus by faith, then death no longer has a hold on me. I was sharing with my daughters this past week something that I heard long ago. I don't know who said this. I don't know where I heard it. I don't know if I read it, but it is true. It's a little phrase that maybe needs to stick with us more often. It tells us that those who are born twice will die only once. Those who are born twice, born of natural descent, born from our mother's wombs, but also born again, a spiritual birth, a new birth as we have received Christ. Those who are born twice 
will die only once. Yes, there will come a time for us to depart. But when we do, we go to be with Jesus, which is better by far. Not so for those who are born only once, who have only experienced that natural birth. The old saying goes along these lines that those who are born once will die twice. There will be the death that meets them at the end of their lives and then there will be the second death as the book of Revelation speaks about when Christ returns, when the judgment happens and when they are cast into the lake of fire. I know what side of the equation I am on in that. I look to Jesus today by faith. I receive and rest in him as he is offered in the gospel. I marvel at the truth that he died for my sins and was raised for my justification, that Christ has risen and death has been defeated and we can stand firm on days like this. We can look at pandemics and viruses and the worries and troubles that afflict us in this life and with confidence we can say, Christ is risen and Christ is for us and therefore I will never be put to shame. Brothers and sisters, this is what Easter has done. This is the confidence today that we can have in Christ. These ladies go to the tomb frightened, worried, perplexed, and yet they hear this amazing news, that Christ is risen. And they begin to remember. Verse 8 tells us exactly that. They remember the Lord's words. They begin to realize this is what Jesus said would happen. This was no accident. This was no mistake. Christ going to the cross was not a, a somehow a bump in God's plan that he had to then work to fix. That wasn't it at all. Christ came for this specific purpose. He taught his disciples about it. If they had been listening to him properly, they would have known that this was part of the plan. And these women begin to remember. And they go and they tell the disciples exactly this, that Christ is risen. But verse 11 tells us something amazing. It tells us that the disciples did not believe them. It sounded to the disciples like an idle tale. Christ is risen, too good to be true. Too good to be true. And absolutely, we could look at that and say, well, well, well what were they thinking? What were they thinking? How could they not believe that, that this was true? But my friends, would you believe it? If I came to your house today and said, I was at the graveyard and someone who I buried three days ago is risen, would you believe it? Of course you wouldn't. Of course not. The disciples thought it sounded too good to be true. It, it, it sounded like an idle tale. But soon these men that couldn't believe it would die because they would not stop speaking of it. Soon these men who were locked away for fear would open the doors and they would preach without fear. Why? Because Christ is risen. That's why. See, I am aware today that the Christian message is an extraordinary one. Perhaps you're tuning into this and you're only doing it because you've got nothing else to do. And, and maybe you've seen me on Facebook before and you've thought to yourself, that guy's very handsome. Don't like listening to him, but I like looking at him. I'll get on and see what he's up to today. And, and then you come and you've switched on your wee iPad, your laptop, and here's my beardy face once again talking to you. But today you just can't sit. 
Today you hear me and you're listening and I'm saying something extraordinary, that death has been defeated, that Christ has risen, that Christians can look death in the face and we know that we, we go to be with Jesus and all of this just sounds extraordinary to you. It sounds too good to be true. My friends, I understand that. I really do. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul answers some of those concerns. It's obvious that the apostle has been challenged about the resurrection of the dead. And he puts it this way in verse 13. If there is no resurrection of the dead, if the dead don't stand again out of the grave, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised, says Paul. If all of this is a nonsense, then not even Jesus has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, he continues in verse 14, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. If this is a nonsense, then I may as well switch off my little camera and go home and just forget all about it. If this is a nonsense, says Paul, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. My friends, as I stand and preach these things to you, and you receive them without faith, you receive them believing them to be a nonsense, an idle tale, something not worthy of your time or thought or consideration, I understand. You're not the first and you will not be the last, but I can promise you as surely as the sun pours in through the window that I stand in front of today, I can promise you that Christ is risen. That we are not misrepresenting God. That we are not hoping in an idle tale. That we're not trusting in a, a lie that was told 2,000 years ago and continues to be told. We know that Jesus Christ was raised from the grave by the power of God. We know that the same Jesus who had died for our sins did not see corruption in the tomb. We know that on the third day Jesus rose and, and then later met his disciples, spoke with them, walked with them, taught them, ate and drank with them. And we know that Jesus then ascended up into heaven and he is there to this day. He is gathering and defending and reigning over his church. And we know that the next time we see Jesus will either be after we die and see him with eyes of faith or if we are alive when he returns we will see him in the air. We know that this is who Jesus is and where he is coming next. My friends, today I know you have your questions. I know you have things that you ponder about. I really, really do. But if this is the last sermon I ever preach then I pray it is one that you will listen to me. I pray it is one that you will look me in the eye and you will know that as surely as there are bones in my body, then I do not lie to you. I do not misrepresent God to you, but I tell you with honesty and truth on my lips that Christ is risen. And all who receive him by faith will be saved. All who save him, receive him by faith will be saved from the wrath of God to come and will not have to worry about the second death because they will be born again and they will reign with Christ forevermore. Christ is risen. Not an idle tale. Not a load of nonsense. Not something that we just tell the children to keep them in line. Not a bit of it. But the amazing, extraordinary, life-changing truth of Easter. 
Christ crucified for sin and raised for our justification. Do not pity us as believers. Paul says that in verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 15. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But don't pity us in our empty churches, singing in our living rooms, looking a little bit strange, praising God in the garden. Don't pity us today. For we know who it is we have believed. We know that his gospel is true. And we know that for us through faith, then truly the best is yet to come. Because Christ is risen. Paul says, For as a man, by a man came death, in verse 21, By a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. By Jesus. By Jesus, the resurrection of the dead has come. And as Christians today, we have not believed in an idle tale. We have not believed in a story that is full of holes and discrepancy. As believers, we have received and rested in Christ by faith. We trust the extraordinary claims of God by faith. And today we rest in the finished work of Christ. We are not to be pitied. But my brothers and sisters, today we understand that even in the light of the glorious resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, even in light of, of the hope that is ours to come, we know that there are difficult days that lie ahead. Some of us have had incredibly difficult days in this past week. You know who you are. You remain nameless, but... My brothers and sisters, may God's grace be sufficient for you in these days of awful, heart-rending news. There may be difficult days that lie ahead for us. Being a Christian does not mean that we will not weep. Being a Christian does not mean that we will stand in graveyards. And we will hear the minister boldly proclaiming that death has been defeated, death has lost its sting, and yet our hearts absolutely are shattered. Being a Christian does not mean that we will not experience depression. Being a Christian does not mean that it will always be sunshine with, with no shower. We know that there are difficult days that lie ahead and we are going through them even today. But being a Christian also knows that we have a shepherd, a good shepherd called Jesus, who is for his people, who is for his sheep. This past week I wrote a a little devotional about that, about how Jesus is the good shepherd, how he, he lies across the door of the sheep pen. The sheep can't get out unless they cross Jesus. The wolf can't get in unless it crosses Jesus. That Christ is for us. He is the good shepherd. He has come so that we might have life and life abundant. But the enemy, well, he is not like that. 
He comes to destroy and kill and, 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 and wipe out the work of Christ, or try to at least. We know there'll be difficult days ahead. We know because the scriptures tell us that the enemy rages against the church of Jesus Christ. In Revelation 12, we read exactly that. Rejoice, O heavens, verse 12, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. In Mark 3, the Lord Jesus, speaking about the devil, calls him the strong man, but thanks be to God, the strong man has been bound. So today, the devil is bound. He is like a dog on a chain, but he rages and he growls and he, and he spits at the church because he knows that his time is short. My friends, many of us come from churches that have been utterly divided and there have been difficult and dark days even in the past 12 months. Some of you know the pain of, of leaving church fellowships that you've given your life to, and yet it seems that because the devil has been at work and sinful men and women have not listened to the word of God, it seems that you had to leave that place and your heart is shattered because of it. We should not be surprised this morning when we have to endure various kinds of trials. We should not be surprised this morning when life is incredibly hard, even in light of the wonderful Easter message that Christ died for sin and was raised for our justification. At times, brothers and sisters, we will weep and we will be sad and we will think that there will never be an end to this storm. And yet today we can stand again with eyes of faith. We have received Jesus. We have rested in Jesus. And we know that because Christ is risen, we can indeed face the days to come. There are better days for us. We may not see them this side of eternity, but there are better days that are for us. Difficult days ahead, but better days that lie ahead of them still. Christ is for us. Our good shepherd protects his sheep. Our good shepherd stands against the plans and the schemes of the enemy. Our good shepherd has put him to flight. As the apostle writes in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13, you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Christ, having forgiven us all our trespasses, all our sins gone, all our trespasses gone, all nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ. He has cancelled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set it aside, nailing it to the cross, and he disarmed the rulers and the authorities, and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Here is what Jesus has done. Here is what Christ has accomplished at Calvary. Here is what the empty tomb means, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Certainly there may be difficult days in the horizon. Certainly there may be days that we will struggle to see the end of. But there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Christ has risen. Death has been defeated. The wages of sin that is death has been paid for by Christ. It has been laid upon his perfect, sinless, spotless shoulders. My brothers and sisters, we are free in Jesus. 
We are free in Jesus. We have received the abundant life and it is in Jesus. This is what we celebrate this morning. Looking like we are insane in empty buildings. Preaching out into the open air. This is what we have received. This is why we sing. This is why we rejoice. Because what Jesus has done has changed everything. That stone rolled away. That tomb as empty as this church building. It has changed everything. Satan may rage against the church. And the difficulties in this fallen world may climb upon our shoulders. But my brothers and sisters, for you and I, everything has changed forever. Today we have received Christ by faith. And today even as we carry weights and burdens that no one else knows about except the Lord. We do so by looking forward to the homeland of the saints. Paul writes in Hebrews 11 verses 13 to 16 about members of the church of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Men and women of faith in the Old Testament. The great hall of fame of faith. And Paul writes about them and he says in verse 13, They all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as, as, as it, but as it is, they desire a better country. That is, a heavenly one. Friends, I pray today that that is the desire of our hearts. We know the difficulties of this country. Perhaps last week as I preached, it resonated with you when I said that this has become like a foreign land for us. It was always meant to be like that. In this passage, Paul says they were strangers and exiles on this earth. It was always meant to be like that. For you and I who have received Christ by faith, this was never supposed to be where we would be forever. This wasn't going to be like our Kirsty and Phil forever home. Ever, ever, ever. 17 bedrooms and room for the horses. This was never meant to be it. My friends, today we are strangers and exiles on this earth. We are troubled by various kinds of trials on this earth. We are despised and hated by the devil and his minions on this earth. He rages because he knows his time is short. All of these things are true about us, but we long for and desire a heavenly country, a better country, a city with foundations whose designer and builder is God. This is our hope, and it has been won for us by Jesus Christ, crucified and raised. He is risen my friends what what an inheritance we have in Jesus what an inheritance we have in Christ the King 
And as Paul finishes these verses, he he says, as we long for that better country, God is not ashamed to be called our God. For he has prepared for us a city. Can you imagine that? You and me, knowing what we are, knowing the sin that blights our lives, Knowing the things that we have done and said and the ways we have acted in this life and yet at Easter, Christ died for sinners like us. Who would do such a thing? For wretches like you and me, who would do such a thing? For sinners like you and me. Christ has done it. Christ has done it for us. Today, the Good Shepherd is for us. And today, the Lord is not ashamed to be called our God. Christ is risen. Death has been defeated. And our hope is for the country and the city that is to come. My friends, this has been a strange Easter Sunday morning. I hope and pray there are no more like this in the years to come, or at least that they will be very, very few. But as I close today, I would remind you that even though things are different, they are still the same as they have always been. Today, my hope, my faith, is in Christ. And the necessity for you and I today is that our faith must, must be placed in Christ. For those of you still thinking that this whole resurrection business is still an idle tale, that the cross and and Jesus dying there is a substitute for us To make an end to our sin, it's still an idle tale. My friends, I pray simply today that you would waken up. That today you would realize what Christ has done and how it is to be received. All your good works are like filthy rags before Jesus. It doesn't matter how many times you clean your hands, you will never get them clean enough before Jesus. What must you do today to be right with Christ? What must you do today to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Christ had risen And it appeared to his disciples. But there was one man who didn't get to see him and that was Thomas. In John's Gospel, in John 20, Thomas makes the bold claim to his brothers in the faith. He says, unless I see in Christ's hands the mark of the nails, and unless I place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. 
says Thomas, I will never believe. And maybe, my friends, that's a bold statement that you have made too once upon a time. Christianity's a nonsense. Crosses and empty tombs and coming saviors, I don't believe it. It's an idle tale. I will never believe. My friends know this. Death is not your friend. Death is the enemy. And one day, you, like me, will die. When that day comes, regardless of your hopes, Regardless of what you've heard in this world, when that day comes, you go either to glory through faith in Christ or you go to a lost eternity in a place called hell prepared for the devil and his angels. You will die twice. But my friends, it does not need to be like this. Today you've heard me telling you about Christ crucified for sin and raised again from the dead. Christ has risen, death has been defeated, and if you will receive him by faith, then you will be saved. Thomas looks, later when Jesus appears again, he sees Jesus. He is urged by the Lord to not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answers, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus, speaking of us, says, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. These things are written in Thomas's gospel so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he was crucified and raised for sinners like us. And so today to my friends, Watching this and listening to this and scratching your heads and thinking, idle tale, nonsense, I will not believe it. Today as this Easter Sunday sun shines down upon us. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of your sin. Put your faith in Jesus and be saved. Christ was crucified for our sins, raised for our justification. Death has been defeated. And today, Christ is risen. Amen. And we thank God today for his word. Friends, we finish our service this morning by singing together our final song. Thanks to Nick, who's putting these things together for us. The 23rd Psalm, The Lord's My Shepherd. We praise God together. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me lie pastures green he leads me by the still still waters his goodness restores my soul 
And I will trust in trust I will trust in And I will trust in trust I will trust in you For your endless mercy follows me your goodness will lead me home He guides my ways in righteousness And He anoints my head with oil And my cup it overflows with joy I feast on His pure delight and I will trust in trust I will trust in and I will trust in trust I will trust in you for your endless mercies follows me your goodness will lead me home and though I walk the darkest path I will not fear the evil one For you are with me And your rod and staff Are the comfort I need to know And I will trust in trust I will trust in And I will trust in trust I will trust in your endless mercies follows me Your goodness will lead me home And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ The love of God the Father and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit Be ours this day and even forevermore Amen